Our second scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time, to, to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Now when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. So we've been on a journey. This has been part of our whole Advent season. We've been talking about walking closer and closer to the manger. And then on Christmas Eve, we got to celebrate, you know, on the the Sunday before, we watched all the kids come here and they replayed the whole story for us again. And now we're here in Christmas time. And, you know, I was making the joke about eating Christmas cookies and being able to leave your Christmas tree up until the 6th if you want to, and no one will judge you. I certainly won't. But we have a couple weeks now where we can sit in Christmas time and we can reflect on what's happened over the last week and what will happen in the next week. And it's funny because I feel like we get to sort of stretch out this time that for whatever reason seems like we just get stuck on one on one day, typically not even a Sunday. It's like we have to figure out everything around Christmas and what it means to us in basically an hour's worth of time. So while we've been on this journey, we're going to stop here for this week and next week. And we're going to reflect on these couple passages that help us think about what happened immediately after Jesus was born, but before we recognize completely and fully that he is fully God and fully human. Now, many of us are in the midst of a travel season. I know there's plenty of you who have traveled here. The AAA reported that this year, 2019, was going to be a record when it came to travel all for all Americans. Something like over 115 million people were going to be on the roads this Christmas season. I feel like that's like, you know, 
all of those folks that are like, well, I guess we got to go to this person's house. And so everybody's all over the place. And this meant like record travel in the air, record travel by boat, record travel by train. I also found out that it's also record travel by cruise ship. Now, I don't know who like takes a cruise ship to go see their family, but man, that is a sweet setup if you've got that. It's like, well, we go see our parents in Bermuda. And so we just take a cruise ship along the way. Awesome. 115 million Americans are on the road this Christmas season. Now, for most of these folks, right, they have some particular destination. We tend in the Christmas season, we go to some place for warmth, we go to some place for comfort. Maybe we're going someplace out of requirement, out of obligation, but we go. We set up the travel, we make our plan, we figure out what we need to do. You know, we talked about that in the early part of Advent, right? We get our maps, we get our travel ready, and we go. Today's group, many of you are here today at Old Stone Presbyterian Church because of celebration. You decided. At some point, you got a note, an indication that today was going to be a birthday. You looked at the calendar. You said, I think we could swing this. You figured out. You got plane tickets. You um, maybe did some car travel. Did any of you take a cruise ship here? It would be hard. A little river cruise, I guess, up the Ohio. and The Scioto, yeah, you could probably just kind of like get a little mooring out there. That'd be kind of fun. Um, But you're here, right? You came up with a purpose and a destination. I think when we go on journeys, we are very aware of what that journey means. It's not very often that we just take journeys because. In fact, you know, when I am with the kids, sometimes we'll play this game, let's get lost. And we get to an intersection and I say, okay, should we go left, right, or straight? And they can decide and we find our ways. It's one of the best ways I've found to find out a new area. Because you just get lost and then, thank goodness, you have your phone to get you back to where you started. But, you know, like I have to actually indicate that we're going to get lost, right? Because there is a purpose to it. It's very rare that we don't have purpose to our travel. We have a method, we have a destination, and we, again, have a purpose. Even the wise men, who we talked about at Christmas Eve, they didn't necessarily know what they were going to see. They knew something was up. They said, we've seen the star in the east. We think this has to do with this king, so we're going to go worship him. They didn't know. I mean, honestly, would you leave a palace somewhere if you had to go sit and visit a baby, two relatively unknown individuals. I mean, the father has some lineage to the house of David, but what does that mean? How many of us have lineage to the Mayflower? It doesn't really do much. Maybe they would have stayed home, but they felt like something was important. They had a destination and a purpose, and off they went seems it's important in our travel to have a reason why we go. And so it's funny that just as soon as we get to this moment in the Christmas season, in Matthew, we get to hear about the wise men coming at the beginning of the chapter, and then just as soon as we get here, we're leaving again. We don't even get to hear about the first time, you know, Jesus, you know, 
8, we don't get to hear about the first time he cried or he laughed or the ways that mom and dad had to stay up all night because, you know, it's exhausting to have a baby. And as much as I'd like to think Jesus was a good sleeper through the night, I've had two kids. I know that that's not necessarily true. For whatever reason, as soon as we get the celebration of the Christmas season, Jesus coming into this world, we are up and out again. As far as we can tell in this story in Matthew, Jesus had just been born. Maybe as a week old, a couple weeks old. And is already having to leave his birth home. And he remained there in Egypt as best we can tell, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, depending on what you, when you think Jesus was born. It could have been up to two years that Jesus and his family made their home in Egypt. But when they could finally come back, they didn't even have the opportunity to go back to their birth home, to Nazareth. No, I mean, to Bethlehem. They had to go to Nazareth, which was Joseph's home. Now, of course, the purpose of this trip was a little different, right? It was meant to save their child's life, to save the king, the one who would save all of them and all of us. And when I hear this story again, it helps me to remember the own, my own journeys that I have to take. As soon as we're done here and we're done celebrating my family, we're going to head up to Youngstown, which is its own arduous journey. And then we will leave from Youngstown, we'll stay here a night, and then we're going to head down to Georgia to celebrate a friend's wedding. And it's helpful for me to remember that in the midst of my own journeys, my Savior, our Savior, the Savior of the world, also had his own journeys, even from the beginning. However, what's different, of course, is I lack that existential risk, right? I'm not terribly worried about my life. And I'd like, there's always those, I wear my seatbelt. But I'm not worried about my own life. I'm not worried about my children's life. I've had no angel tell me to get up and flee. We will come home to a safe place. Jesus could not return to his same home. And indeed, there may be some of us here today or some of us who gather with us on a regular occasion who also can't return to their home. And there are certainly people today, fellow siblings in Christ, who are not safe at their homes, that they're refugees or they're seeking asylum. But we are all people of journey. It seems that the moment we can find a safe place to call home, something will lift us up and tell us to go again. Within our story, within the Christian story, within the story of our faith, there are those who are refugees and asylum seekers who can't find a safe place to call home. Now, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. If any of you watch the news at any particular time, if any of you see, you'll, you'll see stories of Christians who are persecuted, who are unsafe, nothing new. But what do we do? as people of faith? What do we do as people here at Old Stone? Or maybe some of you will leave here today and you'll go to other places, other places of worship. What, what do you do with this? 
fact that our story at its beginning has something to do with the Savior of the world not being safe in his own home and having to leave. Well, I wonder, what is it like to be a place of refuge? I think about Max, and I think about others who have been here for decades. It's a funny story that once I realized the makeup of the pastor nominating committee, I knew that if at least two of the folks were okay, like half the congregation was going to be okay. And I think about many of you who have been here for multiple, multiple years, who we get to celebrate on a regular basis. It's folks like Max, folks like many of you who have held these doors open for folks to come in and be part of your home part of our home, part of God's home here on this earth. Even, for instance, when in the late 70s, you could have closed the doors. You could have merged with Warrensburg down the street, and Old Stone would have been no more. When an arsonist torched this entire space, and it did not look like this, even before it didn't look like this, The doors could have been closed. This could have been a place that no longer was a safe place of refuge, but still people held open the doors and said, come home. There is a place for you. And as I look around this room, I see many of those faces. I also see many faces who have come just recently and now know that this is a place that they can call home. This is a place, like so many others throughout this county, there are four churches on the street, y'all. So many places where it can be a place where wearied travelers can find a place to call home, to rest. The church has to be an Egypt for those who are fleeing the rage of a king who feels his power slipping from him, even if it's for a few weeks, even if it's a couple years, or perhaps if it is a lifetime. Because if it is not the church, where is their safe quarter for those who need it? The church is our home, friends, but it's never just our home, is it? It welcomes the most tired of us with open arms and cares for them away from the violence of the world. Do you feel like people around you are ready to do violence to you? Come home. Feel safe here. Seek refuge here. And if we can celebrate them, so much the better. And here's the thing. While there are balloons that celebrate Max turning 80, even if we don't have the balloons, I have seen this congregation celebrate new members. I have watched this congregation go beyond itself to care for those around them. We're just showing off a little bit more today. But we cannot forget that need. Because again, if it's not here in the church, then where else is it? 
I would contend that I don't think it exists. Not in the way that the church can love, not in the way that the church can support, and not in the way that the church can serve. And so, brothers and sisters, as we sit in this time, this Christmas time, this random two weeks that often we forget because we're ready to go on with our lives and we've gotten our gifts and we need to take the tree down because now everything's starting to fall off and it's miserable to clean up. Let's take this week and next week and look into 2020 with a fresh recommitment to that here at Old Stone. And maybe there are some of you who will leave this place and not return. What is it like for you to take that story to where you worship? What is it like to say, this must be a safe place for those who are in our community to call home? Because if our Savior needed in Egypt, who needs that place here today? Let's be a safe haven for those who are seeking shelter because we do not know, friends, if the one who is coming to save us is in their midst. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for coming into this world, for being part of our lives, for being one of us. Help us to seek others. And show them a safe place to call home. Amen.